The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1981, Episode 4, June through December. He's getting tired of this record business. It's July, and in the New York Supreme Court, Record producer Jack Douglas files a lawsuit against Yoko Ono for a breach of contract. The suit is to force Ono to abide by the terms of the August 1980 agreement. The agreement is for payment for production work on John and Yoko's LP, Double Fantasy. It read that Douglas was to get 4% of the retail sales price for the first 500,000 copies of the album sold, and 5% for each copy sold thereafter. The LP, Double Fantasy, sold more than 6 million copies since release. Douglas never received a penny, so he is suing for millions of dollars in royalties. Yoko claims that the lawsuit is, quote, baloney and she files a countersuit for $300,000 that claims that the contract was signed, and I quote, in excessive haste, unquote, before the Lennon's attorneys can properly review it. Justice Morton Stetcher in the State Supreme Court in Manhattan ruled in favor of Jack Douglas and ordered Miss Ono to pay $2.5 million plus future royalties under the contract to Mr. Douglas. On July 3rd in the UK, Columbia Records released the single Heart of Mine by Bob Dylan. The song features Ringo Starr on drums, Ron Wood on guitar, Donald Duck Dunn on bass, and Bob Dylan on vocals and piano. Out of mind, please You can play with fire, but you'll get the bill. 
On July 20th in America, and July 31st in the UK, Dark Horse Records released the single Teardrops by George Harrison. This is the second single off George's LP Somewhere in England. Crime book gets full of teardrops. Do, 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 do. 
The song was written by Harrison while on holiday in Hawaii in October of 1980, shortly after Warner Brothers rejected George's original list of songs for his LP. The song received little to no airplay in the market, but still managed to peak at number 88 in the U.S. Cashbox Top 100 charts. August Around this time, Paul McCartney's English sheepdog named Martha originally made famous in the song Martha My Dear by the Beatles, 
passed away at Paul's Farmhouse in Scotland at the Mall of Kintyre. She was 15 years old. Martha, my dear, though I spend my days in conversation, please remember me, Martha, my love, don't forget me, Martha, my dear. McCartney's original name for the dog was Nickers, but was eventually changed to Martha at the insistence of Paul's then-girlfriend Jane Asher. Martha is survived by her offspring, a female pup that Paul named Arrow. seconds away from switching to the redundant sense sequencer. T-minus 27 seconds. We have gone for redundant set sequencer start. T-minus 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. We've gone for main engine start. We Today, August 1st, on cable television, it's the launch of music television, or MTV. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. Ideas for music television began in the 1960s. The Beatles used music videos to promote their records. The 1964 film A Hard Day's Night, and particularly its performance of the song Can't Buy Me Love, led MTV to honor the film's director, Richard Lester, with an award for basically inventing the music video. In the beginning was the music, but there was no one around to hear it. As the population grew in numbers, music grew in popularity. Man invented the radio and the phonograph. High fidelity made quite a splash. But it was full stereo sound that made the explosion. Soon television came along and gave us the gift of sight. But it was cable that gave us the freedom of choice. For a while it seemed there was nothing new on the horizon. Announcing the latest achievement in home entertainment. The power of sight. Video. The power of sound. MTV. Music television. Hi, I'm Alan Hunter. I'm Martha Quinn. Well, all right, I'm J.J. Jackson. Hi, I'm Nina Blackwood, and I'll be with you after J.J. right here on MTV. This is it. Welcome to MTV Music Television, the world's first 24-hour stereo video music channel. I heard you on the wireless back in 52, lying awake intently tuning in on you. If I was young, it didn't stop you coming through.
August 19th in New York, Yoko seeks out benefactors from around the world to contribute rocks, stones, trees, and mosaics that would enhance the area of Central Park that is to be known as Strawberry Fields. Last April, in memory of my husband, John Lennon, New York City designated a beautiful triangular island in Central Park as Strawberry Fields. Since then, I have made a public request to all heads of state of the world to send a tree or stone from their countries to make this island into a garden of love, an island in which all nations could grow together in harmony. To the people of the world, you are my family. This is your garden. It is a gift from John to you. And I see John smiling in the sky again. On August 26th in America, Geffen Records released the single No, No, No by Yoko Ono. The single is taken from Yoko's Season of Glass LP and is one of the most dramatic tracks on the album that addresses her husband's murder. Oh, 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 
On Saturday, August 29th in England, at the Adelphi Hotel in Lime Street, Liverpool, the first annual Mersey Beetle Extravaganza is held. The celebration of Liverpool's favorite sons consisted of 14 hours of complete Beatlemania, from guest speakers to films to bands to videos, memorabilia, and collector's tables. In America, on September 2nd on Long Island, New York, Cynthia Lennon presents 15 original drawings that are featured at the Tower Gallery. The presentation, Life with John, depicts her days with John and the Beatles. I did study for five years as an artist. Then I became pregnant. Then I married John. And it was fabulous. I mean, you couldn't, I couldn't wish for anything better. Then, of course, things went wrong. But, you know, you just get on with it. And for me, I suppose the, the fact that I had trained, the fact that I had that basis in life, On September 29th, Tommy Moore, one-time drummer with the Beatles, dies of a brain hemorrhage at age 50. Tommy was their drummer from May 1960 through June of 1960. On September 30th, Geffen Records released the single Goodbye Sadness by Yoko Ono. This is the second single off the LP Season of Glass. A video to the song is sent to the NBC television studios to be shown on the late-night comedy show Saturday Night Live. There is a season that never passes, and that is the season of glass.
October 9th, Lennon's would-be 41st birthday. And in Los Angeles, California, a sculptor is marking the day in a big way. This weekend was also special for fans of former Beatle John Lennon. Friday would have been the 41st birthday of the slain singer-songwriter. And to honor that event, a seven-foot bronze statue of Lennon was unveiled by Los Angeles Mayor Tom Bradley. It's the work of artist Brett Livingston Strong and will stand at City Hall for the next five years. After that, it'll be sent to Central Park in New York, where it will be on permanent display. The statue was begun shortly after the murder of John Lennon in December of last year and represents for his fans a symbol of their love. Also on this day, Yoko announces that October 9th is International Peace Day. Anybody who is participating in the peace industry is making the world better. Anybody who's participating in the war industry is making the world worse. And so we just have to not be too critical about each other in the peace industry mm -hmm. and just get together, be gentle to each other, be gentle and loving to each other, and try to create a big peace industry mm -hmm. and make it bigger than the war industry. In America on October 16th on the ABC TV breakfast show Good Morning America, George Harrison is interviewed via satellite from London. This portion of Good Morning America is brought to you by Dream Whip and Jell-O Brand Instant Pudding. Together they made Dream Pie delicious. 8.30, I'm David Hartman with Joan London. Almost everybody, I think, knows that George Harrison was one of the Beatles. Uh, but a lot of people don't know that George Harrison is an experienced movie producer as well. A few years ago, he produced a Monty Python movie called The Life of Brian. Ah! And there he is. He's got a new movie coming out. A little bit later, we're going to talk with George Harrison about that. Live by satellite from London. He's with us. George, good morning, or good afternoon, I guess, over there. Good morning, America. Good morning, David. Nice to have you, you with us, George. Good to have you with us, and we'll look forward to talking with you in just a little while. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, rare opportunity. Rare yes, opportunity. Nothing that you need 
Harrison live from London. The music you just heard is from his newest album. It's called Somewhere in England. George, I, I would imagine there's, uh, at least I sense, that there's always been kind of a pressure on you um, and Paul and Ringo to keep, to keep producing, to keep turning things out, um, and particularly perhaps you and Paul. How has that pressure affected you over the last, say, 10 years? Well, I, I don't think there's, uh, there's that much pressure to produce, um, I think you're talking about records yeah. or music. Uh, there's not too much pressure in order to do that, but at the same time, it's what we do, it's what we have done in the past, and, uh, you know, everybody needs to make a living or do something just to keep themselves busy, and so might as well continue doing the thing that we, we learned, you know, we sort of did our apprenticeship. The thing that uh, I think the pressure is coming now from the other way because uh, the record business as a whole, it's, you know, everybody's in the record business, everybody and their grannies, you know, they're all <laughs> songwriters, everybody has million dollar record deals to the point where the record business is so saturated that uh, a sort of rot set in, actually, uh, with the radio and nobody knows what people want or they some people think they know what the public want, so it's got this great confusion. So I think uh, the most difficult thing is just to try and continue and try to do what comes natural and uh, hope that somehow it still fits into the picture. Mm -hmm. George, you wrote a beautiful song after John Lennon died all those years ago, and one of the couplets in it, you wrote, living with good and bad, I always looked up to you, unquote. Um, 
how did you how did he influence John influence you and how did you influence him do you think through the years well would be pretty hard to say <clears throat> just in uh, a minute or so but yeah. um, you know we grew up together we uh, from the age of about maybe I was about 13 when I first met him he was uh, a tough guy you know he he wanted to do something different and like likewise so did I and Paul and uh, so we gained strength from each other, really, like that. He was always the noisy one or the, uh, <laughs> you know, the cheeky one, the pushy one. He'd be a bit more outspoken than, than the others. Um, and at the, at the same time, I think that was important. You know, we had all those elements, John being, you know, a bit upmarket with the intellectuals and Paul being cute and, you know, Ringo being cuddly and I was the quiet one. <laughs> so, I mean, it all, it all sort of worked out, but... You know, it would be difficult to say, hello, what was that, beep beep? I don't know, you're okay, I think. Something beeping in my headphone. But it would be hard to say just in a minute, you know, right. because we grew up together, we spent many, many years together, and... Uh, but a lot of love and respect. Yeah. Both. So, I mean, the song really, it helps having music. Hello, somebody's on the telephone here, in Are my they? ear. Whoever's yeah. in... Whoever's in George's ear, get out of George's ear. <laughs> All right, uh, George, our time is up yeah. anyway, so we'll, we'll let them talk in here if they want to. Thank you very right. much for joining us All today. Right. Good luck See with the later. movie. Good luck with Time Bandits. Thank you. Bye-bye. Th thank you, George. Okay, thank you. Starting on Sunday, October 25th... Hi, Harry. Una, Ben, Bo, Billy, Bobby, Bibby. How long? And lasting the week... In the wake of John Lennon's okay. murder by a handgun, Harry How's Nielsen promotes the End to Handgun Violence campaign across the United States. Rolling. Hi, Ringo here. Did you know every 13 seconds a handgun is sold in the United States? And every day 63 Americans are killed with handguns. You know and I know everything has its place. Sport is one thing, war still another, but crime and violence in our streets we can help put an end to by joining in the National End Handgun Violence Week, which is October the 25th to the 31st, and there will be a rally in your city. Please join us. Please help us make the world a safer place to live in. Join us to save lives. It might be yours or someone you love. Well, Harry, I hope, uh, hope these short messages uh, will do. We tried to make them as uh, straight, sincere, and to the point as we could. Not too much comedy, because it's not a funny situation. We love you. We'll see you soon. It's bye from me, and... Bye from me. <laughs> love to Una, the new baby, Ben, Bo, and to you. See you soon. First time I've heard a fetus being said <laughs> hello to on tape. Bye-bye. <laughs> All love from Bob and Ring. On October 27th in America... Boardwalk Records released the album Stop and Smell the Roses. You want to turn it this way? No, oh, I'm very uh, sorry. You know what I mean? Oh, I like that side. Yeah, so but it I. doesn't look like you're smelling in that one. Oh, no, I'm huh? You're hiding your eyes. Yes, and they're so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. They are. This is Ringo Starr's eighth solo album. It hosts many all-star musicians, including George Harrison, and Paul McCartney. A lot of contributors yeah. in here. I mean, yeah. you're not fooling around. From a lot of whole, old friends, a lot of good pals. And it does run the gamut. Oh, right. Good job. <laughs> two numbers. Uh, Paul's got three on the album. Three, three.
property Don't run off with it You'll be breaking the law Love Monopoly My philosophy Don't grow foolish with private property She's mine She belongs to me And we'll get on fine as long as you agree That she's my private property Private property Private property Don't run after it You'll be facing a charge Off the fence, don't go fooling with private property. It's interesting for me because you don't have a band that you you know you work with a lot of different musicians and you also work with guys who have bands you know I just get on the kids and give the drummer a drink or whatever I don't know what they do with these drums yeah. I've been in three bands on this album and the drummers all drink drummers, I've never seen the drummer but I mean you're a drummer do you drink yes this song was written by Harry Nielsen and features the drumming of Jim Thunder Keltner and Ringo Lightning Star
when this jumps to number one, Ringo, there are going to be demands for your services and touring. How services are, you going to have... are fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just... Not house calls. No. I mean touring. Yes, that's right. We're what are you going to do? We're talking about it now. Yeah, you should. Did you consciously wear your hair like that as part of an attention-getting oh, device? Yeah. yeah, we wore it purely for attention. Everybody needs attention. Everybody wants to smile. Everybody needs a mention. Attention. Attention. This Paul McCartney track features Wings guitarist Lawrence Juber with saxophone by Howie Casey. Come on, baby. The title track of the album is co-written by Harry Nielsen and Ringo. Stop and take the time to smell the roses. Uh, which, you know, it can mean anything. Stop and look around. You see where you're going, see what's happening, see what you're doing, and maybe change it. So then the song had nothing to do with the loss of uh, friends? Had nothing to do with the loss of friends. Nothing to do with mm. anything, Nothing to do with anything. I don't even know what the track means. 
But how do you feel uh, having people try to analyze what your songs mean? Well, I think we all do that. I mean, I'm as much to blame as anyone else. It's just, uh, it seems silly when they analyze your songs and you didn't actually say that. I mean, in, in Stop, there's the other great line everyone hits on, which is, uh, it says, stop and take the time to smell the roses. Stop and take the time to fill your noses. Well, I don't think that's a coke joke. It's the furthest thing away from my mind. But uh, a lot of people have been saying that's what it means. But they're wrong. Stop and take the time to smell the roses. Stop and take the time to fill your Time to read the label. Stop. You must remember Clark and Betty Grable. Stop. There's no train to catch. Oh, there is a rose. No, no, no. Come on, everybody. You've got to. And take the time to stop that smoking. Stop before that light turns green. You won't be blue. Stop in the name of the What's all this hurry? What's all this hustle and bustle? Why don't I just stop? Look at the pretty roses, smell them for one moment. Take the time to see, take the time to smell. Have a good time in life, don't let everything pass you by. You're only here once, and I've been here longer than most of you. So stop and take the time to buy this album so I can plant roses and smell them all. That concludes side one of the LP. Okay, well, as long as we're all going through the same hurdle, we'll get over it. Singer, songwriter, drummer, and actor Ringo Starr. Ringo wanted everyone to smell the roses, so the inner sleeve contained a scratch-and-smell rose scent. You know, they are pretty things to smell and take your time and take it easy. 
Side 2 opens with a song that was written by Ringo Starr and Ron Wood. Ronnie Wood with uh, a lot of other different players. When did you first start writing songs yourself? Uh, well, I started uh, in the 60s. Uh, you know, when the Beatles were together. And I used to write all these songs, and I used to think, wow, I've written another song. And then I'd go, you know, and we'd be making an album or something, and I'd, uh, I'd say, I've got this song, you know. And I'd play the little song I'd written, and they'd all be on the floor laughing. <laughs> because uh, I'd usually, usually had uh, rewritten another song, you know. What, like what? Well, uh, some, uh, usually a Jerry Lee Lewis B-side, you know. <laughs> I, I've cried, the dog's dead, I'm in pain. I used to write all these weird songs.
really a shot in a beer record. It's the Corner Saloon at Saturday night, and it's yeah. just fun. And it's got melody and spirit. This tune is not only produced by fellow bandmate George Harrison, but George also plays a weeping lead guitar. an influence i'm going to pick just pick this name out bill haley and the comets yeah d- d- did you hear him when you were a kid well, i was he, 14, you'd be about 14 14 years old and it was fabulous he was like one of the first influences of gene autry was the very first when i was eight who gene autry what song gene autry sang south of the border down mexico way man i got shivers up and down my spine really? when i saw that i was eight years old he slapped his leg over that horse and played his little on
usually you go into the studio with one producer, you stay there a month or two, and then it's all over. With this, because we had uh, George, who mainly stays in England, and Paul, who lives in England but is willing to travel, uh, we worked in France with Paul. But, you know, and Stephen Stills was here, but he likes to be in Hawaii. And uh, Ronnie Wood, we might as well get them all in right now. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the thing with it was that we'd do a couple of weeks in France with Paul and then try and set up the next uh, couple of tracks, you know, whoever we could sort of do it with. So we went uh, from Paul to uh, Stephen Stills. So we used his band.
uh, just getting drunk and crazy every night. I mean, after a couple of years, it gets boring. reached number 98 in the US album charts and didn't even chart in the UK. On the same day in America, Boardwalk Records released the single Rack My Brain by Ringo Starr. The single is taken off the LP Stop and Smell the Roses and it shot up the chart to number 30 in the US Billboard Top 100 singles, giving Ringo his first top 40 hit in years. With that track, there's, uh, there's only uh, four guys on that track. This is the hit Rack My Brain. This is the big hit. This is the big Ringo Starr hit. Wreck my brain. Wreck it up, will you? Wreck my brain. Wreck my brain. Till my head's filled with pain. Wreck my brain. 
George, you did that one. George Harrison is quoted as saying that he wrote the song Rack My Brain at the same time as he wrote the song Blood from a Clone. Both tunes, written in Hawaii, express George's frustration with writing pop songs that his record company Warner Brothers insisted he write. They also express his disdain about the music business in general. Also released today is a video to the single, Rack My Brain. Sat down with a, a director and a producer and decided we'd make a, a, you know, a short three-minute clip on the song. And, you know, you sit there and you go through a, a million different ways you can do it. And we decided to do this one in like a, like a sort of horror story. Rack my brain with the brain being taken out and things like that. I play a human being. And we did it in sort of a, a horror movie syndrome. And it just came about in conversation. This seems to be the best way in three minutes to get it all across. In the video, Ringo's wife Barbara is seen in a straitjacket. When asked, Ringo quips. Oh, it's the only way to keep us still. Are you kidding me? We took that home. What fun at night, folks. Over in Liverpool, England on October 28th, a biographical play about John Lennon, written by Bob Eaton, simply titled Lennon, opens at the Everyman Theatre. On November 6th, the handmade film Time Bandits premieres in the U.S. It's a sort of good film for children mainly, but um, it's also quite good for adults. The idea is that the supreme being, when he was m making uh, creation, well, everything that got done late on a Friday afternoon, you know, had a few holes in it. So he had these little, uh, little people working down in the small shrubs department, and they were patching up the holes in everything. And they ran away with the map that shows all the holes in the space and time, and they're trying to escape from the supreme being, but at the same time, Evil, who's always not far behind, is trying to catch them because he'd like the map for his own use. Ready? One. Stop! Stop! You never start on one. Whoever heard of anybody starting anything on one? Which is it then? Two or three? Three! It's uh, a bit crazy, you know, being a, a spin-off of the Monty Python group. That is, it was written by Michael Palin and uh, Terry Gilliam. It has uh, Michael Palin and John Cleese in it. So it has a little bit of, um, you know, the usual sort of Monty Python sort of stuff. But at the same time, it's, um, it's quite a thriller, you know, the way it looks. shot it's Terry Gilliam is the director he's the American one in Monty Python and uh, he's the one who normally does the animation so he's done the special effects and uh, directed the film the film was number one at the box office and remained in that spot for four weeks
silent thunder sky is black as day Blowing a dream away
On November 11th at Abbey Road Studios, London, final mixing takes place for McCartney's song, Christian Bop. Five, four, three, two, one. On November 19th, British media proprietor and impresario Sir Lou Grade, who owns the ITV franchise Associated Television, or ATV, which encompasses ATV Music Publishing, owners of the song publishing catalogs of the Beatles as well as others, entertains bids for the rights to the entire ATV Music Publishing catalog. McCartney, needless to say, was interested, but only in the Lennon-McCartney songs. Paul McCartney. When we first started writing songs, we didn't know anything about owning songs. Most people don't. You know, it's like you write your first novel and you just want to get published. That's all you want. Don't care about the deal. Just want to get on the bookstores, or in our case, in the record stores. So our first deals, we didn't know anything about uh, rights or anything. We actually thought songs just were in the air and that everyone owned them. That was like how innocent we were, you know. And, uh, you know, still a lot of people think that way because it's kind of where you must... Anyway, so we, we never had really much ownership. And um, what happened was, at a certain point, these songs changed hands from the original publisher to another guy and then to another guy. And um, at one of these junctures, um, I was offered the songs to buy um, for £20 million. 
And the problem for me was I didn't want to be Paul McCartney owning John Lennon's bit of the songs. I felt that would be like unfair. I wanted to own my bit of the songs, but I wanted John or his estate, as it then was, to own his side of it. You know, I thought it would be perceived as a bit kind of grabby of me if I just moved in, yeah, I got all the songs. I, I wasn't comfortable with that. So what happened was I rang up Yoko and I said, we have an opportunity to buy these songs. 10 million to you, 10 million to me, and we'll, we'll have it And she actually said, I think we can get it for five. Sir Lou declined their offer for two reasons. Number one, he wanted a bid on the entire ATV music catalog. And number two, he wasn't thrilled with the offer. Meanwhile, other offers were coming in from Warner Communications, EMI Publishing, CBS, and Paramount. In the end, Sir Lou decided not to sell it this time. While all this was happening, Australian businessman Robert Holmes Accord had been acquiring shares of Associated Communications Corporation, or ACC, which is the parent company to ATV. On November 25th on the NBC television network in America, Ringo and Barbara appear on The Tomorrow Show with host Tom Snyder. This is NBC. He's a songwriter and budding producer. He's smelling the roses these days with a new wife, a new family, and a new home in England. That's also the name of his new Boardwalk album, Stop and Smell the Roses, a title that makes a reference to Ringo Starr at age 40. A man who is savoring life after years of turmoil, ecstasy, frenzy, and confusion. May I say that you're now 40 years old? That's pretty common knowledge, isn't it? You can say that any time you like to. How is it different being 40 from what you perceived it might be like when you first attained worldwide popularity with the group back in the 1960s? Uh, well, the difference is we're not in the group, but uh, 40 wasn't a bad one for me. 30 was worse. What's different about being 40 from the way you thought it might be. You know, when you're young, you say 40's old. And now we know that 40 isn't <coughs> yes, very old. Yes, my mother uh, keeps telling me that, because when I was 16 or 17, I always thought everyone at 60 should be shot. <laughs> and now she says, oh, you don't feel that way anymore, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> you're approaching their age. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel real good. I'm uh, quite healthy for a sick human being. Uh, what do you mean a sick human being? <laughs> no, well, we're all a bit sick, aren't we? Uh, well, I've had a few illnesses, but uh, don't do too much jogging. I've, I think I've trained to stay out of condition, and so I'm okay. You know, I think once you start training, you have to carry it on. Well, I started training very young to stay out of condition. Uh, the title of your album, mm, uh, Stop and Smell the Roses. Mm. Now, people always look for hidden meanings in titles, in mm. motion pictures, in lyrics of songs. Yeah. Is there a message here uh, of any uh, the, kind? Uh, it's a very simple message of just like stop and take the time to smell the roses. Which it can mean anything, like stop and uh, take a look at your life. Um, you know, just have a look at what's going on around you, where you're going, what direction you're heading. And uh, just, uh, you know, occasionally stop, you know, and just don't go headlong through your life all the time. And we do that, you know, I think everybody does it for so long, everyone just keeps rolling on. 
And then I think everybody takes the time to stop. Stop! What's ahead for the two of you? You have just completed the album and you have the motion picture out. Uh, uh, more movies, more records, quiet for a while. Uh, well, and, I, and the same to you. I, mainly we're trying to move into our house in England. Oh, something as mundane as that. Yeah. <laughs> See, people perceive that people of your stature and magnitude have a... No, no, we're real worried about in. the curtains. <laughs> she phones every day, have they got the curtains up? On the day we left, they brought just one set of dining room curtains. So I was real concerned about that. We have one that. window covered now. Um, you know, we're, we're here to promote this album. Then this year, besides, we're trying to get ourselves together, the family to get the house all straightened out. And, you know, so we have a good base to start next year. We start, we're going to start a production company, which will be ours, where we'll find product that both of us can work in. Either way, you know, one in behind the camera in front sure. of it doesn't matter. And uh, I'm hoping to do another album. Thank you both for your time today and Thank for you. your effort and for your candor. It's good to meet you both after all these years. It's a pleasure. And uh, to you, uh, thanks for all the happy times, okay? Okay, all thanks, right. Tom. My pleasure. Around November 30th, Paul writes a song about his friend, John. And if I said I really knew you well, what would your answer be? If you were here today, Paul McCartney. I sat down one day and it was just on those sort of minory type chords that open that song. And that, to me, if, the, if there had to be a thought in song mm -hmm. about John, I suppose what had been going through my head is uh, this idea that, um, you know, if you were here today, what would you sort of say about, here's me writing a song about you? You know, which I'd never, ever done, of course. You know, and it takes finality of things like sort of yes. death to sort of concentrate it and, and make you think... Oh my God! You know, I mean, it's that's the end. I'll, you know, and it's it's such a horrifying sort of thought, really. That um, that that was the kind of idea behind that. You know, what, what you probably laugh and say that we were worlds apart anyway. But, but really, I'm saying in the song, but we weren't. Yes. No matter whether you, I know, if we had you back here right now, he's out oh, loud of bollocks. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But it's not true. You know, that would just be bluff. Mm -mm. We actually did know each other. We actually were very close. Well, knowing you. You probably laugh and say that we were worlds apart If you were here today ooh, here today But as for me I still remember how it was before And I On December 8th, one year since the murder of John Lennon, fans gather outside the New York City apartment building where John lived and died. Also in a tribute, Elton John writes and records a song for his friend. 
What happened here as the New York sunset disappeared? I found an empty garden among the flagstones there. Must have been a gardener that cared a lot, who weeded out the tears and grew a good crop. Now it all looks strange. It's funny how one insect can damage so much grain. And what's it for? This little empty garden by the brownstone door, and in the cracks along the sidewalk, nothing grows no more. He must have been a gardener that cared a lot, who weeded out the tears and grew a good crop, and we are so.
December 25th, Christmas Day in America, and a word of peace from Ringo Starr. To everybody have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And don't only be friendly at Christmas, be friendly all through the year. And stop and smell the roses.
We're getting close, just about six minutes, and the Big Apple will fall from the highest point here at number one Times Square. And everybody down in that square will have their eyes glued right up here. See that little dot of light down about, oh, it looks like oh, a couple of inches below the Big uh, Red Apple? And you'll see it slowly begin to descend. It's moving down. It's under the direction of Mr. Russ Brown, who's been in charge of lowering that ball for a lot of years. Into approaching 30 seconds now. You can see the top light and the bottom light. It's not quite approaching the midway staff point. When it hits the bottom, it'll be 1982 in 30 seconds from now. Listen to that crowd. The Big Apple in New York City, 20 seconds away from a brand new 1982. Before pandemonium breaks loose, let me wish you on behalf of ABC and all of our New Year's Rockin' Eve friends a happy new year to you in eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! Happy New Year, everybody. See you in 82. For more information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at Yesterday Pod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts yesterday and today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. Wow. (laughs) And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? (laughs) Don't worry, we will. (laughs) 
You can head to our social media pages. That's facebook.com slash yesterday and today podcast or facebook.com slash third men. Or you could head to society6.com slash Kaminsky family podcast. That's society, the number six dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I family podcasts. Yeah. Keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. <laughs> Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we need your help. <laughs> Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. All right. We'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see oh, me. For God's sake.